With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. So, welcome everybody to Heads Up Hockey. Um, I here have uh, Luke Garrison of Pucks and Pitchforks and Brat Pack on Twitter. And it's going to be a little bit of a potpourri of New Jersey Devils talk, maybe some of the playoffs, and a little bit of everything. Maybe some rumors. We'll see where this leads. Sounds good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on as well. So, anyways, guys, even though the Devils won second overall, it is said on Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick that, you know, Thomas Gerald is open for business. Have you guys looked at the IIHF Worlds game with Slavkovsky and Demetz? Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't been getting to watch the games in full, but I've been watching the highlights, and, you know, I'm sure that's a bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, I only get to see the best of it. I probably don't see, you know, what they're doing every single play. But I've liked what I've seen so far, uh, and I said this a little while ago when we when we got the lottery pick. Um, I don't know a ton about prospects before the draft actually happens. I honestly usually just pick a name that I like and roll with it for the jokes and the memes and the laughs and whatever. So I immediately, you know, attached myself to Slavkovsky because I thought that was the best name. And I've been watching his stuff since, you know, just to <laughs> carry on with the joke. And I'm actually pretty impressed. He actually, you know, has, has looked really good to me. Um, first off, one of the things that I started with Pucks and Pitchforks uh, several seasons ago in 2018 um, before I left to really start Heads Up Hockey was that I was into prospects then. This is before the, the Jack Hughes pick at the time. Um, when it comes to this year's draft, I really like what Uri Slavkovsky brings. Big guy, six foot four, maybe six five, maybe grow another inch. Um, you look at his game, he reminds me of Rick Nash and Pavel Dimitra. Why do I bring that up? Okay. Big body, power forward, about 225 pounds, 218 pounds, given on a different day, plus gear. And he can score as well. He can score goals. So, and he's developed well from the U16s in Slovakia and then transitioned to Finland with TPS Turku system all the way up to U18s, U20s in SM Sarja. And um, yeah, it took a little bit of time to uh, flourish in uh, Turku, but we're starting to see more of him blossoming, which I use the term blossom um, at the highest level in the Olympics and IHF. Absolutely. Um, Luke? 
Yeah, I, I do have to agree. Slavkowski is definitely turning into probably um one of the best right wingers in the draft we've seen in probably about a recent probably about a recent years for a while. So I think for that, the fact that we get we have a chance to pretty much get him at two is fantastic. But once we get into the trade packages, I feel like that's where we're gonna have to question to what the devils like to risk getting the pick or do they want to try to um, get a major superstar out of it. And it really depends on what Fitzgerald really wants to do with it. And right now, if I have to make a choice, I keep the pick and just take Slavkowski because I feel like sacrificing the pick for him is just not, for a player like that, it's just not worth it. Especially when the list could be become players of like guys who are almost in their 30s or just contracts that could probably be expiring. Yeah, I, and I think you bring up a great point in terms of, you know, the value of the pick versus the pick itself because you look at a number two overall and who's gone number two overall, and, you know, you are expecting a top two pick to potentially be a superstar, so you really only want to trade it for a guy who's already a superstar. But, you know, teams with superstars aren't looking for a number two overall pick. They're looking to just keep their superstar. So that list becomes very short. and it's short for a reason. And that reason, you know, the only players that are even going to be available are guys who their contract doesn't work with their team or, you know, the, the team's windows closing and they don't see value in continuing with that guy, even though they are, you know, potentially a superstar. And we have to look at, you know, why that is and what that would mean for us, because if we're going to take a guy at number two, hope he's a superstar or hope he's even, you know, a, a tier below superstar, we're getting a guy for three years on an entry-level deal, and then he's going to be restricted free agent. So we're really looking at five-plus years, and that's where we you know, can start thinking about money. Or do we take a good player now who needs to get paid? Realistically, we're only going to get guys who are already on their way out of their contract, need a new contract, and are going to get you know, eight, nine-plus million dollars a year. Or do we want to play, pay 900000 for a few years and you know take our chances with this pick? So... You know, the, the list has to be super short for guys that would make sense, because if we're going to throw eight plus million out on a player who's 25 plus versus just keeping that entry level potential superstar, it's got to be 100 percent worth it. Right. It brings me to my next point. Like you have guys like Jesper Bratt looking at I heard someone say that this was a former Canucks assistant GM saying that or agent one of the others said they look at Jesper Bratt looking at six years, 6.633 million dollars per. Now the devils have a lot of cash space, but they're trying to use it wisely. And this is why I believe that when the devils do get their key guys in the RFA market re-signed, um, even if they do get Zaka resigned, they're going to end up packaging him um, by the trade. Uh, the trade would have to come likely either at the draft or right after it before um, trade, not the trade market, but the free agent frenzy kicks off the next month. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny that our quote unquote, you know, biggest, I don't want to say biggest, but our, our most available asset 
is a restricted free agent who, you know, come July 1st, we either have to resign or let him walk, you know, for an offer sheet or something. It's like, I, I wish Zaka as much as I, I honestly think he's run his course as a devil. I don't really want him on the team anymore. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like I wish he did have two more years on a contract right now, because that would at least provide some value in trade, but we're really just trading his rights right now. So it doesn't even really make sense. Yeah, I feel like with Zaka, he's pretty much just basically shown that he's not really a player that we should care about anymore. In fact, the organization probably doesn't really care about him because it's proving that this was the waste of that pick when we could have just drafted Barzell. Not to say that Zaka is a bad player, it's just that it's a really waste of potential that pretty much just has gone nowhere. And I feel like with that, packaging him to a team that could probably use someone like him would be a better asset right now because you'll be honestly getting maybe at least a potential player or maybe some cap space out of it. Who knows what they'll do. But right now I think Zaka is probably on his way out of New Jersey to go to a different team. But, and I think right now the biggest other asset is getting to resign just with Brad because I feel like Brad's become that most available asset for the team right now. And if we resign him right um, in July, he's pretty much guaranteed to become one of the best players on the team. And it, it could it could depend on the contract deals, but right now you cannot lose someone like him. No, and I think I think Fitz made that pretty clear uh, in the exit interviews. Um, he he said explicitly, straight up, we need Jesper Bratt in our lineup. And between us and anyone listening to this, as a GM, you don't make that statement unless you're like. A hundred percent sure that it's going to happen. You don't make a statement that we need this guy on our team if you don't have a contract like almost ready to sign. So that to me, when he said that, means that that contract is being worked on. That is not something that you know just flows out into the wind and he doesn't really know what's going on and anything can happen and Jesper might walk or something. That quote to me says. This guy's going to sign a contract here. Just you wait, you know? Yeah. I mean, another thing is very, very rarely does a player like Jesper Bratt come around in the sixth or fifth round of an NHL draft. Now, given the fact that the Devil Scouts did their homework on him in Sweden and they developed him properly, let him do that before he came over. Now, another thing is, there are some really interesting European players in this NHL draft who could be future devils themselves. Now, another thing is, we have to lock up guys like Brad, and I think they need to extend Yes Fist, who I believe is an RFA, and he really does bring something to that third line easily. Could be a second-line guy, center, wing. Um, anytime he plays on a middle six line, he, he plays, like, with confidence. And he's well worth that second-round pick that he once was. And I know the Devils have several second-round picks, and they can make out, like, wildfire, given the fact that they have a really good – uh, scouting record in the past couple drafts under Fitzgerald with Paul Cat 
strong. Yeah. Um, one thing about the devil's drafting that, you know, is kind of interesting to watch come to fruition is we have all these guys that, you know, first, second, even third round picks. Cause I know Zetterland, I think was third. Um, we have all these guys that we've been talking about for a couple of years now. I mean, the past three years, I want to say has always been, you know, we traded for these young guys. We drafted these young guys. Uh, we want to see what they can do. And we've called them up here and there. And some have looked a little better than others. And some haven't looked so good. It's always been like, oh, just wait, give him some more time in the AHL. You know, he needs to develop, whatever the case is. And those guys that we got at, let's say, 18, 19 years old, they're 22, 23 now. They're going to be coming up and they're going to be ready now. So some of these guys that we've been talking about for a few years, and like I said, I already named Drop Zetterland, but some of these guys we've been talking about for a few years are going to be coming up to the NHL now and they're going to look so much better than they have in the past. Because a guy who got to look three years ago as a 19-year-old coming up in April because of injuries and kind of looked like shit, you know, Tice Thompson maybe, he's going to come up to the league this year. <laughs> and, I mean, in limited, before he got injured, in limited minutes, we saw him even this past year, he looked he looked good. So I'm, I'm really expecting some of these guys next year that the 18, 19-year-olds that are now 22, 23 to – to step up and look a lot better than we really planned on. I will say this. I may have been one of the toughest critics on Roth, but I will admit this. He has been very good with the younger guys, immersing them with veterans. And what this does is you talk about Zetterland, you talk about other guys coming up from Utica. It does a lot of good to right become part of that system. Now, does Kevin Deneen come up as an assistant coach under Lindy Ruff and then maybe the Devils go out, maybe they get another assistant coach right after the playoffs? I think it's possible because you can't do any worse other than uh, Nazardine and Racky. So if you really want that power play to work, take a look at uh, – Tampa Bay's you really should because who knows how long that band's going to be with their coaching staff. And I remember the 2012 Devils, they had Ward and they had, um, what's his name? The other guy, Adam Oates. And they went and, and they, they were still able to replace them, but the power play to me, I really miss Jock Ward behind the bench from seasons ago, like a decade. Yeah, this has been a good question on whether or not Fitzgerald is going to move um, up, up to the front office in a better role, because I feel like we've been hearing about that, especially I've heard Brad, you, Brad Pat, you tweeted about that earlier. Um, yeah. and, and I feel like if that was certainly the case, they would have probably done it maybe sooner, or they're just trying to look for a new coach um, right now. They just don't want to build to the media yet. Who knows? But if they do want to move left to the front office, this is a very good opportunity to bring up Janine as a head coach, just because I feel like the way he the way he progressed the kids in Utica really showcases how he could potentially take the same amount of that young core here and work them into a, a really well put together sort of team. 
and it could also mean that they could also try to go after another NHL and coach who's not similar to Buff, but similarly enough to try to work with the young. It all depends on what Fitzgerald's asking. But if you ask me, I think right now we should try to go with the Utica route and getting practically everyone. Even even I'll take taking uh, Jason Jason uh, Shea to be our um, MSG Networks announcer to replace Kanji because I feel like that would be honestly the best the best possible route. Just basically take everything from Utica and just put it right here. Yeah. I think especially with coaching, uh, you got to look at the track record of our front office. And I know that there's been some chatter about this and some talk about it that the owners have, you know, budgets or certain uh, ideas in line financially of what they'd like to do. And some of that I've heard is, is, is myth. And I've, some of that I've heard is true. So, you know, I'm not really an authority on, on what's going on in the front office simply because I'm not in the front office. But looking mm-hmm. track record-wise, I don't see us going out and spending a ton of money on a coaching staff that is going to be revolutionary. So as much as I would love, uh, you know, a coach from Tampa Bay, an assistant coach from Tampa Bay is not looking to move to be an assistant coach for New Jersey. If anything, they're going to try to be a head coach or they're going to go where they can get paid the most. and Honestly, I, I just don't see that being here. So we do have to look at moves that are more within our reach. Deneen is absolutely one of those moves. Uh, I've heard Breland uh, thrown around mm. a few times as a, as a possibility. Um, and in terms of uh, Kanji, I mean, I know that's MSG Network. That's not, uh, you know, the devils necessarily. But uh, I, I would like to caution people on that. You know, some people... And I know a lot of people, this is not the case, but some people get confused on a play-by-play versus a color commentator. And they think they want to bring in someone with like a bubbly personality to replace Kanji. And like, you know, that's what Danico does. Kanji, you need, you know, the quick-witted play caller. We're not looking for the for the talker for that position. So friendly reminder for that one. But uh, Joe, I saw you light up when I, when I brought up Breland. Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, the Devils always had a thing with, you know, the old Soviet hockey team right. and being able to develop uh, USSR uh, Russian players. To me, he makes a complete amount of sense, 110,000% over 100% for me, because you already have guys like Nikita Ohochuk, who already know both languages but you also need to have a mediator and that being sergey breland also a devil's legend he should be in the ring of honor and just to throw that out there shakir muhammadulin is likely gonna stay in utica for a little bit a little bit but given the fact that he was a leader on the russian junior team and playing a couple seasons with salavat yulaev for his home team is a huge, huge monumental step forward as a young guy. Now in this political climate, him being able to get a passport to come to the U S of all places, this is huge. Why do I say this? It's because he can hit those one timers on a power play. He can also use his long reach. The Rangers have a guy like Ke'Andre Miller, who's got similar attributes, but Muhammad Doolin 
is a very mobile guy too. So you have a guy you can mix and match against your opponents. And the Devils are only going to get bigger, stronger, faster. So Sergey Breland, to me, would be a wonderful communicator. And having Igor, Sharon, Igor Sharangovich around, a Belarusian, uh, to have someone like that, you know, talk to him in Russian and bilingually, you know, say, hey, we need to have you be consistent. But now to the Slovak side, the doubles are looking to possibly get Yuri Slavkovsky, or I like to think they should consider Shimon Nemetz, um, especially if you want to complement your uh, centers like Hughes and Heischer with Slavkovsky, or if you want to complement Luke Hughes or any other guy with a six foot one right handed uh, two way dynamic uh, skater, absolutely consider Shimon Nemetz from HK Nitra, and he scored a goal today against Denmark. I know Denmark got steamrolled, but a goal is a goal, and his style of play reminds me of Makar a little bit, but to me, he's too exciting not to watch a game with Slovakia. Oh, I am I am so down with any crafty skaters, man. <laughs> <laughs> we bring up Makar and you know I just go quarter chub real quick because <laughs> Makar yeah and, and was that what's that sorry I didn't hear what you said I said I wasn't trying to overexcite you yeah no I uh don't worry it's only quarter only quarter chub but uh <laughs> guys like Makar and that's why I love Brat so much and that's why I've attached myself to these Fiala rumors is because I love crafty skaters with a control over edge work. I think that is one skill that in the, in hockey in general, there's a couple skills that separate you from everybody else. Hands, you know, hands and stick work is definitely one of them, but skating and edge work it has to be, you know, my personal favorite one. I love seeing a guy like Makar being able to slip through like three guys easily because he's simply a better skater. Um, you know, sometimes we forget that ice skating is hard and we forget that they are on ice skates and that, you know, they make these moves and they look so natural on the ice that, you know, we, we often forget exactly what they're doing, but ice skating to, to the level that guys like Makar, Brat and Fiala do it, man. Like I, I truly just have an appreciation for that. I mean, Luke probably can attest to this, too. I know he's mentioned stuff in articles, but the Devils should not even think about touching that second overall pick. And I'm going to sound like uh, one of the guys from Step Brothers. Don't touch it. Just <laughs> leave it alone. Exactly. There's no reason to trade it at all whatsoever, especially when you can take someone like Slavkovsky, who can not only fit on the right wing, but could potentially make a good align with both Hughes and Hughes and Nico. Well, technically Jack, I should say, because Jack Jack and Luke are the same thing. But you get my point. You can make a line with Jack, Nico, and um, Zarkowski on a win like that, and that could be deadly for years to come if they could just work around it and make it as good as it could possibly get. I feel like that that you have to – you cannot trade it for a player like that. Like, say, Matthew Kachuk, who has good years, but I just don't think he's worth a second overall pick. You have to really try to study this. You have to understand – 
what's worth the second overall pick and what's what's worth it what kind of player are you looking for are you looking for to balance your lineup or are you looking for a player to try to take over the top there's so many factors here that Fitzgerald has to think about and there's a big risk that there's a good chance of messing this up I there, yeah there's a big chance of it messing it up and they, they possibly can't do that at all I mean I've been covering you know these drafts you know publicly since like 2018 but I'm watching them as far back as like Tier Hall and Niall Yakupov but the Devils are really good with evaluating players at the kind. And I know this for a fact when the Devils release these clips from behind the scenes and Brad Pack, I know you can attest this, but remember always have like a prospect and then they would have like, remember Dr. Amy Kimball used to be like asking question A and B and doing like a different like personality test and see what kind of person they are. Um, one of my favorite old school ones is uh, the one with nature and the whole catfish thing when he was down in Nashville before um, he was interviewed as a devil. Yeah. I mean, it's actually crazy. Some of the stuff they do before drafts. Um, I know, I mean, I don't know about the NHL process as much. I know NFL, they do a, a wild amount of IQ tests and EQ tests and, Uh, a lot of situational awareness type things because, you know, you look at some of these guys and although you're investing in an on ice product, you are investing in an off ice product, especially with first round picks, you are investing into, uh, you know, a marketing team here. You're investing into ticket sales. You're investing into obviously gameplay. You're investing into Jersey sales. You know, you're picking a guy to represent your brand at the end of the day. And, and to, to think that that's not, you know, considered at all is just is straight up silly. So, you know, it is interesting to see how those things shake out for sure. Like, I will say this. I remember um, Brian Burke on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. He said um, his work, one of his worst interviews was Niall Yakupov and him just going sour in the first couple minutes of the interview. And yeah. I remember during the 2012 playoffs that I saw Yakupov and a few other uh, prospects. And I was like, who is this guy? He doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's interested in being in New Jersey. And I don't think I would consider him, but him having a bad personality, uh, according to Burke, to me spoke a lot of things and they thought highly of Morgan Riley in that. And I think the Devils have a really good uh, way of finding out who does fit the brand and who would best be suited at second overall. I mean, that doesn't mean they can't interview Shane Wright, but I doubt that Shane oh, they're Wright going goes to. second overall. Yeah, they, they, every team has to do their due diligence. Every, I mean, any team in the top 10 is going to be interviewing Shane Wright, you know, as a formality, just in case, but... He's going to go number one. I'm, I'm really not worried about it. Yeah, but we, have, um, we have eight minutes left, so we better finish this. Awesome. So I think we have time for one more question. Do you want to just do one more? Yeah, we got um, eight minutes. So Eight minutes. Yeah, seven, anyway. 7.45 left, so. 
so I know the Devils were mentioned that they were also interested in uh, Logan Cooley, who to me, I think is another uh, Maddie Beneers type of Selkie style uh, center from the US NTDP team. But I think, you know, the Devils will consider him. I just think the way the Devils are set down the middle and barring any moves, uh, I think Logan Cooley will end up being third or fifth overall. But he's going to be like a Datsu in some with his stick handling and his mind. And his and he's just very well rounded for a player. Yeah, I mean the thing about the U.S. Uh, actually, I shouldn't even say the uh, NTDP National. Oh no, NDTP. Um, Jack Hughes came out of there, and we know he has a good <laughs> relationship with those guys. And I think they've stepped up their game in the past five years or so. They're, they're producing some top-end talent. Look at who's come out of that program in the past five years or so. They, you know, they are developing their guys. They have it now, nailed down. So I would be, you know, inherently high on anyone coming out of that program right now. So I'm not against the Cooley pick. And the other thing about it is, you know, he may be a center by nature, but you're not drafting a guy number two overall, stick him at 3C. If they do draft him, it's because they plan on putting him on the wing because we drafted Dawson Mercer the same way where, you know, he was not meant to be 3C. He was meant to be, hey, we're going to put him in the top six on the wing, see if it works out. If it does, great, we have a top six winger. And if it doesn't, we can fall back on 3C or he can move up because let's be on it. We have, let's be honest, we have to face it. Nico Hishier and Jack Hughes have missed a lot of games over the last three years. So we really can't ignore that. So we may need a top six center for, you know, half the season, unfortunately. Um, and that's the kind of thing that does need to be taken into consideration where if he can play wing and fill in on center when needed, that could even be more useful than a guy who can only play wing and not center. Absolutely. I think the way the doubles are set up, I think if, even if they draft Slavkovsky, they should also test him at center as well given the fact that you can interchange some guys, make like they say, mix and match. And, you know, given the fact that the Devils have spoken openly about need to get bigger, need more scoring on the wings and stuff like that, I just think at the end of the day that Jordi Slavkovsky makes too much sense. And I'm not saying no to Nemets or Cooley or – Ivan Moroshnachenko, just to throw a few guys out there who's a winger. But um, at the end of the day, you have to weigh your options. Yeah, I just think at this point, the obvious pick is going to be Steph Koskin. Whether or not the Canadians decide to take decide to take him because they feel like they, they wanted because they wanted to switch up to get um, uh, Steph Koskin right. Right now, they're still deciding. Whether or not, I think we're going to get a good player at the end of the day because I feel like whatever happens, um, I still want Slavikovsky. Now, if they take Slavikovsky, we can still technically take Wright and put him on a place somewhere else. And we can also take Namek to try to fill in a defensive role position. Either way, there's, no, there's really nothing that those can do to mess it up unless they decide to trade it. 
which can still happen. But right now they have to figure out. Yeah, see, well, uh, right now they have to basically figure out um, what to. They have to figure out. Well, they still got to figure out their list, and eventually, in due time, we'll be able to see that list and determine which is the best player to take. I think it's fair enough to say that, you know, the Devils have like several picks in the first couple of rounds and then maybe in the mid late rounds, they they'll have a few here and there they could try and trade with. But at the same time, the Devils have had been pretty golden in the mid late rounds. So I really like the Samu Salmanen pick from last year and the Tobias uh, Villan uh, and Victor Hurtig picks. But I think at the end of the day, the Devils uh, in the Nordic countries know what they're doing. And the Russian route they did with uh, Bartikov last year, I think will be someone who's an overager that could come over when they think he's ready. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all very fair. Any? No, I think because we only have two minutes, 30 seconds left. So we better back real quick. Any final thoughts, guys? No, no I think you know, we, I think we, I think we got a lot of uh, points straightened out. I will. Uh, my my final thought for anything I ever do will always be Jesper Bratt is the best player in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> and uh, I'll say here first, uh, Shimon Nemeth should be going first overall to Montreal, but some other team's going to come out like a wet bandit and they're going to come out pretty happy. But at the end of the day, the Devils get Slavkovsky and it'll be that. Yeah, that's what we hopefully will happen. And let's see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. This is your host, Jersey Joe Stanislaw, talking to you right now. Uh, I have something to announce to you all is that we have a brand new sponsor called Vig It. It is a wonderful fantasy sports wager app. You can use V-I-G-I-T. That's how it's spelt. And you can use the promo code H-U-H-2021. That's 2021. Or you can use the referral code and maybe the link I can give to you in the description of this wonderful Anchor podcast. So thank you. And for those of you who subscribe, it helps us grow. And share the podcast and share our sponsor. It'll be a wonderful time. And... It is a great time to watch some hockey and listen to a great podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. And sign up with VIGIT 